Well, it's good to be back with you here uh, this morning as we continue in our series called Collide. It's been a series where we've been addressing various matters that are going on in our culture. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's caused many conversations. I've heard about it, and I think it's been helpful uh, to all of us to talk about these things uh, that are going on where we live and breathe every, every day that we work and we, we walk our streets. And, and so we've been taking a look at things like truth and tolerance and marriage. And, and as we've been doing that, the reality is that these various topics all impact our lives in some way. They do. But the topic we're going to be talking about today uh, is different. I think the other topics are in a different category because this one is very emotional. It's very personal, I think, for many people. And I think it's deeply felt for a variety of different reasons. First of all, it might very well represent a choice that you've made somewhere in your past. It might represent a choice you helped somebody else to make. Or it might represent a choice that you would have made for yourself if the situation had been different. The result of making this choice is always pain. It's pain. And that's why, before I say anything else about this subject this morning, I want to remind us about who God is and what God does. The psalmist wrote so beautifully, he said, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I think there's some here, perhaps, that needed to be reminded of that. Some who are still kind of working through that healing process. And I want to remind you here that that God, He is here. Loves you. His healing is available. I also want to remind us that while this issue is is one that's held very close by women, it's not a gender-specific issue. I mean, it's understandable why some might think so, because in the minds of some, when it comes to men being part of making this choice, some people would say that they only have to kind of think about that for days or maybe weeks afterwards. But a woman, she has to feel the weight of that for years, perhaps even decades. As a man, I have to be honest and say, you know what, while I comprehend this at some level, I cannot fully understand it deeply. I can't. I can't. And even as I say that, I have to also be honest and say, you know what, because this is a matter that's going on in our culture, because God's Word so clearly addresses it, it's important that we hear from Him. And so, if we're going to hear from Him, I think it's important that we set our hearts in the right condition, in the right position. So will you join me in prayer right now? Dear Father, we have all made choices in our lives. Choices that we looked at uh, when they were before us and we looked at all the angles and looked at all the information we had and we thought we made a good choice and somewhere down the road we learned it wasn't good at all. And for some of us that meant that we have kind of hidden those choices away, the results of those choices away. And and, uh, because for whatever reason, we didn't want to own up to it or it was just plain too hurtful, whatever the situation might be. But God, the good news that we have this morning is that we worship you. And we thank you for who you are. And as we just sang, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And we're loved by you. And that's who we are. So God, we pray today as we address this matter that, uh, God, that you will help us. That you will take down any defensive barriers that we have. Soften our hearts where they need to be softened. And help us, Lord, to hear you, even if those words and the message is difficult. 
We pray, as we do with many other things, God, for you to have your way in us and through us. So speak to us now, we pray. In your name, amen. Fifty million. Many people believe that by the year 2029, over 50 million students will have been enrolled in America's elementary and secondary school systems. Fifty million. That's huge. But today I'm, I'm not talking about 2029. And I'm not talking about those students. I'm talking about students who receive a very different kind of education. The kind of education where you graduate before you ever have a chance to attend a day of class. Fifty million. I'm not talking about 2029. I'm talking about 1973. Back in 1973, a gallon of gas would cost you about 35 cents. A new Ford Galaxy could be had for about $4,000. The movie Live and Let Die was huge in the theaters. And The Price is Right was America's most popular game show. And the Twin Towers, well, they were still the tallest buildings in the world. And a group by the name of the Rolling Stones, well, they hit Pater with her song, Angie. And Pink Floyd had one of their own with Dark Side of the Moon. Fifty million. 1973. And what do these numbers have in common? Well, since 1973, approximately 50 million lives have been lost since the Supreme Court legalized abortion, making it easy for Angie to fill up her Ford Galaxy drive to the nearest clinic where the price was right, make the choice to live or let die, and then unknowingly watch her world come crashing in around her as she experienced future days on the dark side of the moon. Fifty million. They had no choice, no rights, no representatives. Yet they were gifted, unique leaders. 50 million. You got to wonder what God thinks about it all. As we address this matter today, I want to credit Chip Ingram again because he's been so helpful uh, in this study as well as others. Just great research that's been helpful to me. As I've taken a look at this subject, I was drawn really to the words that God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. Words that very much apply to all those babies who are still in their mother's womb but are not yet born. God spoke these words. He says, before I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb. You see, the unborn are God formed. The unborn are God formed. In fact, formed in the Hebrew literally carries with it the idea of being squeezed into a predetermined shape like a potter molds clay. This word gives us a very beautiful example, I think, of God's hands lovingly and beautifully surrounding each child in caring and creative ways. As the Old Testament prophet wrote, he says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. The unborn are God-formed. And yet, sadly, in our world today, we often engage in a debate regarding if this is actually a fetus and when it actually becomes a fully formed human being. In fact, philosopher Mary Ann Warren has stated that in order for someone to be considered a person, a being has to exhibit the following characteristics. Listen carefully to each one of them. 
a developed capacity for reasoning. A developed capacity. Self-awareness. Consciousness and the ability to feel pain. Self-motivated activity. The capacity to communicate messages of an indefinite variety of types. Well, based on this criteria, even many newly born babies, babies who've been you know, living and have been birthed for, for weeks, perhaps even months, might not even qualify as a person. And even so, many continue to argue that until the very moment a baby is actually born, that baby is not a human being. One woman wrote, she said, abortion has been a practice since the beginning of humankind. It has been done with herbal remedies, sticks, wires, various tools, implements, procedures often practiced in the back alley by someone who doesn't know what he is doing. And using unsterile instruments, women and young girls performed their own abortions. Many women and girls were severely maimed and died from these practices that were not safe. That is why it was legalized. For the protection and safety of the woman who we know is a person a person who has rights regarding how her body will be used. When I hear a statement, especially that last statement, I have to ask myself a question. I think we all do. Does my body belong to me? Or does my body belong to God? After all, I didn't make me. He did. That's why I think it's so important that we really consider where God stands on all of this, because we are His creation. The psalmist writes, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Well, the psalmist knew that full well, but Colleen Steen did not. She continued to write, Abortion is not ever going away. So those who want to continue to dominate, control, and oppress women may as well get used to it rather than continuing this fruitless argument. See, she, like many others, stands for women's rights. Well, so too did Elizabeth Stanton. I don't know if you've heard of her. In fact, Elizabeth Stanton organized the first women's rights convention in Seneca Falls, New York, back in 1848. And on this occasion, she took... uh, the stage, and she spoke these incredibly important words. She said, when you consider that women have been treated as property, it is degrading to women that we should treat our children as property to be disposed of as we see fit. See, the first feminist boldly stated that abortion was a violation of women's rights, and along with the American Medical Association, tried to enact laws that outlawed abortion here in America. But then time passed. And along with the passing of time, many things change. We've come to see this to be true regarding truth and tolerance and marriage and now, of course, with abortion. Where Elizabeth Stanton boldly proclaimed that abortion was a violation of women's rights, you fast forward in time. And now just recently, for example, you'll see a post like this on Facebook. And you have to wonder how it is that we got here. It was about 100 years after Elizabeth Stanton made her speech when therapeutic abortions were heralded as the solution for such cases as rape, incest, and risk of mental or physical health to the mother. 
1967, the American Medical Association changed their platform and helped many states to pass legislation that broadened the term therapeutic abortions. And then came 1973. It's important to understand that from our nation's foundation in history, the Supreme Court would often use a moral foundation for many of their decisions, basing them on what they called natural laws. But over time, these natural laws and these moral arguments were replaced by philosophical arguments, which laid the foundation for 1973. It was then that the Supreme Court overturned a Texas law that only permitted abortions when the mother's life was at risk. As a result, any abortion could be done within the first three months of pregnancy. Roe versus Wade had changed the landscape here in America. Fifty million. Since that day in 1973, a day that so many people celebrated, over 50 million lives have been lost. And all the while, God, our Creator, was set on a shelf. We, the created ones, usurp the authority of the only one who can give us life. We, the created ones, then decided that we have the right to end life or allow it to flourish because we, the created ones, have rights. Given to us by whom? The Declaration of Independence states that our rights have been given to us by God. And yet nowhere in Scripture does God give us authority to end the life of an unborn child. Nowhere. The Bible tells us God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. See, God took his image and stamped it on every single baby ever placed in a mother's womb. In fact, God was so serious about this and had such a high value set for the unborn that the following law actually existed in Old Testament times. Exodus 21 says, If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely but there is no serious injury... The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, meaning miscarriage, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. In the Old Testament times, if you took the life of an unborn child, you lost your own. See, God went to great lengths to protect the life of an unborn child. Let's look again. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I, meaning God, formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. First we learn that the unborn are God-formed, and now we see the unborn are pre-known. They're pre-known because God says he knew them. Knew them. Now, in the Hebrew, this word clearly describes the intimate relations that are experienced only between a husband and a wife. This was a very carefully selected word. As God spoke it, he's trying to get us to understand that he knows every single detail of a baby intimately before that baby is ever even created. Think about it. God knew you before you were a you. And that's miraculous. In the past, someone from the pro-choice movement would take a look at such an assertion from the Bible and ask some questions. They would ask, what is there to possibly know? I mean, what relationship can God possibly have with a mass of tissue? This led to the 1990s and some of the statements from Planned Parenthood. There's many. I boiled it down to about three. 
First, it's a fetus, not a baby. That was her platform. It's a fetus, not a baby. See, Planned Parenthood focused on a woman's immediate needs, not on the life placed inside of her. After all, it wasn't even a life. It was merely a mass of tissue, a fetus. Secondly, it's about safety, not life. See, Planned Parenthood stated that abortion on demand was warranted because of rape, incest, or to save a mother's life. And yet, if abortion had been limited to merely those conditions alone, 95% of all other abortions would have never been performed. 95%. The pro-choice movement eventually learned that and then changed their message. Planned Parenthood then promoted it's about present value, not future value. See, Planned Parenthood made it clear that a woman was a person and the fetus was merely a, a mass of tissue. And human life trumps tissue every single time. In fact, they boldly stated that to call the fetus a human being is arrogant and absurd. Arrogant and absurd. Well, technology advanced since they made that statement. And what many people believed to be a mass of tissue at the time suddenly bore a remarkable resemblance to... Well, I'll let you decide. Take a look.
last decade or so, many people have started to understand what God has known from the very beginning. God can know every detail about an unborn child because it's not a mass of tissue. It's a human being. And God can have a relationship with an unborn child because God is the one who initiated that relationship long before that child was ever even created. Well, that was then and this is now. Planned Parenthood has now replaced the word fetus with preborn baby or baby. No apologies, no admittance of wrong or guilt. You see, the unborn are God formed. The unborn are pre-known. And then Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I set you apart. Here we see the unborn have a purpose. Have a purpose. Because you see, any time in Scripture when God sets a person apart or a group of people apart, it means that they are set aside by God to accomplish great things, unique things. They're going to become game changers in this world. And that is what he does with every single life placed inside of a mother's womb. And yet, our world still hasn't completely caught on. Not long ago, this statement was put out there. We all have many important decisions to make in life. What to do about an unplanned pregnancy is an important and common decision faced by women. In fact, about half of all women in the United States will have an unplanned pregnancy at some point in their lives. About four out of ten women with an unplanned pregnancy decide to have abortions. Overall, more than one out of three of all U.S. women will have an abortion by the time they are 45 years old. The intended message is that ending the life of an unborn child is a normal, natural, daily activity. It doesn't tell us the full truth doesn't tell us the reality of what so many mothers have come to know and understand. Study after study shows that for every woman who makes that choice unknowingly, she will begin a very different journey, a journey she never saw coming. Study after study shows that there's something known as post-abortion syndrome. And there's a variety of different symptoms. I'm just going to name just a few of them for you. Guilt the first one. Since a mother's heart is designed by God to protect her child after an abortion, there's intense guilt that eventually it's buried, but it shows up somewhere along the way and eventually causes her to think that bad things should happen to her because of it. That leads to anxiety and then emotional numbness. In fact, when the anniversary of that child comes, the the abortion or the birthday, whatever it would be, She tends to just push people out, turn to drugs, and most often alcohol to kind of numb all of the pain, leads to depression, suicidal thoughts. Most common is fear. Fear. When a future child is born to that mother somewhere down the line, there's great concern that she carries that somehow her baby that now has been born will be hurt or even die, not as a result of her current choice, but because of the previous choice she made somewhere in her past. That leads to overprotection. And what happens in the marriage is the husband doesn't know quite how to fit in because the baby has become so central. The list goes on and on. 
And yet in the midst of all of this, friends, there's good news today. There's good news. If you've chosen an abortion in the past, God has chosen hope for you now. If you've chosen an abortion in the past, God has chosen hope for you now. It's one reason why Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. Something that is so desperately needed by so many. Perhaps you know someone who's facing this choice right now. Perhaps you're facing the choice yourself, wondering what in the world to do. I want to encourage you to check out Pregnancy Center East. Here's some information right here. Pregnancy Center East. This is an organization right here in Cincinnati that that meets with uh, would-be moms, girls who are pregnant, women who are pregnant, shows them all of the different options that are there. And they come by their side. They come alongside them. In fact, 87% of all women who go there end up giving birth to their child. Only 3% actually have an abortion. They not only give them advice, they walk the journey with them and give them some of the tools and the things they need in order to bring about life. That's why this morning we had some some bottles back there. There's only one left. Uh, We had 700 bottles. They all were taken uh, by those in previous services. Now we just have cups back there. I encourage you to take one of those, take that home with you, take any loose change that you have over the next two weeks and put it in there. And then on Mother's Day, come back with those bottles or with those cups filled with with money. We're going to give all of that away, every single penny away to Pregnancy Center East so they can help these girls, they can help these women to bring about life. Because you see, all across our country today, all across our world People who are hurting, they need rest. And I believe there are three things that God would want you to do in order to experience that rest. First of all, repent to Him. Just come before God with all your tears, with all of your heartache, with all of the pain, and just say, God, I need your forgiveness. Will you wash me? Will you cleanse me with your grace? And then secondly, believe Him. Believe what his word says about his forgiveness. It tells us in the Bible, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So repent and then believe him and then thirdly receive his forgiveness. Receive it. And part of receiving God's forgiveness is forgiving yourself. In fact, allaboutgod.com says, Forgiving yourself is not forgetting. It's about letting go of what you've been holding against yourself so that you can move on with God. If God has moved on, it's time for you to do the same. That's why I think it's important. Every moment, every, every morning that you wake up to a brand new day, before your feet hit the floor, just say, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. I'm going to walk in that forgiveness today. Allow me now to close with God's word spoken to all of us here today. We've talked here about abortion, something that many people hide. 
Many of us have other things that we've tried to hide away. God wants for us to reveal them to Him and and enter into that healing process. So He says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you know someone who's hurting today, or if you're hurting yourself, I want to encourage you to come forward. We have people here to pray with you. Please avail yourself of that opportunity. Before we walk out these doors, will you just join me again in prayer? Dear Father, we want to thank you for who you are. You're a good, good Father. That's who you are, and we're loved by you, and we thank you for that. And Lord, today, we we thank you for the gift, the gift that you give us of life and of breath. For one more moment, one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year, or 50 more years, we don't know, but we thank you for every moment that you give us. So Lord, help us, those who are here, to, to not take that for granted. To not walk out these doors today and then begin focusing on the things that we don't like in our lives, or if only this would change, then my life would be better. Lord, help us to live with gratitude. That every breath we have comes from you and it is a gift. And Lord, heal us. Heal us. We're broken. Lord, do what only you can do. Restore us. Return to us the joy. The joy that has been lost for some who are here. And then help us as a people to walk out these doors today. Not taking life for granted, but help us to live each moment with purpose and vitality and passion. And help us to live for you in radical ways, showing other people your grace, your love, and your truth, and your peace. And when people see us living in that way, they'll want to know who you are. Lord, today we do thank you for all the gifts that you give us. Lord, today specifically, we want to thank you for the gift of life. Life. Help us now to live it to the fullest. For your glory and your glory alone, we pray. Amen. Take those cups with you. We'll see you next weekend. Have a great week.